Welcome to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell, where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture, team development, and the future of the safety industry. If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions, head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the True Safety Podcast. Uh, today, I'm here on this side. My name is Seth Silvers. I'm usually on the back end as the producer. I'm here with Apollonia. Apollonia, how is your week going this week? It is awesome. It, I can't believe it's Friday and this whole week went by super, super fast. And I can't believe we're already halfway, more than halfway through February. This, yes. That actually blows my mind. That's crazy. Yeah, it feels like the year just started. Um, yeah, I think so so it, it is a bit wild. On today, So on today's show, we're going to talk about something that we talk about often here, but we don't do a deep dive into as often on the show, which is safety culture. Um, we both saw an article that was put out by um, a Canadian publication, Canadian Occupational Safety, which they do great work there. And they recently released an article on how to establish a culture of safety in the workplace. And in this article, they talk about, yes, the importance of a safety culture, but also kind of seven key items that when, you know, we need to pay attention to in order to establish a safety culture. So before we dive into those seven items, um, Apollonia, Tell me about safety culture and why that is important when we're talking about um, reducing incidents like culture is this intangible thing. Um, But why is that really, really important? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, it was. I love seeing this article producing seven steps, you know, that that's what we'll go over, just the seven techniques, because. There are a lot of conversations around safety culture and it is an intangible item. And so to actually have some action items to uh, help people achieve that is fantastic. And so the reason, well, I'll back up and I'll first start off by saying that my personal belief and philosophy around safety culture is that there is not a safety culture. I, I don't even believe in a safety culture. I believe that companies just have a culture. And you've, if you've heard my the previous podcast on the show is that I've, I've talked about this a lot. I don't believe that there's a specific accounting culture and an operations culture and, um, an office culture and a safety culture. I just think it's the way the company is ran. In the last episode, I was talking to another safety professional and that really resonated. He's, he was a consultant, worked with big companies, small companies. And I remember he mentioned, he's like, I have never, he's like, I like the way you said that because I've never met a company that has a great culture and their safety stats are through the roof. He's (laughs) like, I've never seen that before. So I thought that was interesting. So, um, yeah, the reason why it's important is because the health of the organization is going to determine how emotionally safe an employee is going to feel next to the, you know, next to their coworker or how close is an employee to their direct report, their manager, their supervisor. Is there a culture where it's safe to bring something up? And even though it's going to cost money, even though... Um, it's going to cost operations. I might stop the job. I mean, those things are scary to bring up if the culture is, you know, profit first or maybe not even that, but safety's last. Right. So that's why that's how it all ties full circle. Yeah. I think that's a great point of like, you have your culture, 
And if your culture is healthy, then you're going to be paying attention to safety. You're going to be paying attention to people. You're going to be paying attention to profit. Like all of these things are going to be things that you're paying attention to in your culture. Um, and so I think that's, that's a really good point of like not trying to just silo. Okay. Here's how we present our safety culture. Cause that gets overwhelming to have like 10 different types of culture that you have to present as a team. Yeah. So the first step that they kind of talk about when identifying your safety culture. Um, and again, this is from, uh, the safety mag in Canada is to define responsibilities. Why is this, this sounds simple. A lot of these things sound really simple, but they're actually overlooked on a daily basis. So why is this important and how have you seen this play out um, with your company and your clients? So something fantastic that I've seen with companies that I've worked with that have an amazing safety culture slash company culture, um, something that I've really seen is this idea of defining responsibilities, but putting the safety responsibilities into the job description. I think it was a safety expo that I took a seminar a few years ago, and I'll never forget it, where their piece of advice was, you put the safety expectations in the job posting, in the interview process, in the hiring process, and you discuss those expectations up front. That way, um, that way you're not a safety director going out on location and it's the first time an employee is ever hearing that you're expecting near miss reports, that you're expecting incidents to be reported within 20 immediately or within 24 hours. Safety expectations are communicated from the very first glimpse of this job. This is what this company's about. This is what this job requires of me. And I loved that. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the best piece of advice that I could have ever brought to my clients was the, the, struggle with safety directors is that sometimes we feel like we're the only ones pushing for safety. We're the only ones asking for near miss reports for, um, suggestions and feedback when it comes to improving processes on, on the safety aspect of things. And so, um, yeah, putting that in a job description, I thought was awesome. So that is one great piece of advice to get your company moving in the right direction for a safety culture. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard it said in the business space many times, like what's not, um, initially, like if it's not measured, it's not going to grow. Yeah. And so I think, you know, similarly defining that upfront, making sure that in the interview process, that that's, Mm -hmm. that's part of it in the job description, all of that kind of becomes a standard that you can then, you know, relate to in not judge, but I guess like track, and people know, okay, this is, this is an important part of things from the start. So the next aspect of developing a safety culture is open communication systems. And they say in this article that transparency is key and communication between leadership and the frontline is essential, especially amid a pandemic where so many workers feel isolated at home or perhaps in the field without proper guidance. How have you seen this play an important role in relate in relating to open communication systems? And what are some maybe tips that you've seen that have helped helped this play out really well for companies? Yeah, I think that 
during the pandemic, it was really hard to stay connected as an organization, especially for those construction companies, oil and gas companies, trucking companies where employees are going which way and the other, and everyone is not at a universal location. So the communication needed to be heightened during that time, which was really hard for companies that hadn't adopted certain technologies that back then. And so one thing that I've seen clients use is one EHS software, software where reporting can be easily done um, from your phone as far as, hey, I'm going to capture a near miss. I'm going to capture um, maybe even a positive thing going on in the field. I'm going to capture this and then boom, picture, it's communicated with the EHS director. Now, a lot of people haven't adopted EHS software yet. And so this was still being done on an old school method where a piece of paper is being filled out for a near hit or an incident or something like that. And then it's getting the taking the time to get communicated within the organization. So um, I think open communication systems to me means when we're identifying hazards, that's communicated with the whole team, like the whole team. When we're winning, that's communicated with the whole team. When there's progress being made in your safety program, it's a vital that those types of things are communicated so that way you're building momentum. I think that's the best piece of advice I could give safety directors is start to build momentum, work towards something big and exciting and have a goal like that, whether that's um, achieving VPP status, voluntary protection program, um, whether that's achieving a safety award or like there just has to be something exciting going on. That way you can start tracking and measuring against that. And then, then the team is working towards something too. Cause if you I, don't have something that you're working towards, that's where it gets mundane and you kind of lose buy-in. Yeah. And openly communicating that like people have to know about where you're working towards. And that kind of takes us to the next section of this article, which the third step they talk about is having an organizational vision for safety. Um, and having that vision communicated and everybody's, every company's at a different place. Uh, but why do you think it's important to have an organizational vision for safety that is known by the whole company? Yeah. How I've seen this done the best way with clients, um, is companies that tie in this big vision for safety, but it's tied in the comp, the whole company's annual goals. So it's like, Hey, this is the company's goal is to, you know, achieve this in revenue or achieve this many clients or whatever that big goal is, how we're going to accomplish that is through a spectacular safety program is through a risk, um, a risk program that involves these departments, or maybe it's the whole organization. So, um, the big goal needs to tie into the safety goal. That way people really, really can get behind it, stand behind it. And then, um, Um, The second piece is just that the goal is easily um, tied to you individually. So people need to individually feel connected and like, how am I contributing to this big goal? I I used to see a lot of companies, their, their goal, their vision for safety was zero incidents. And that's a fantastic goal because before that people were talking about, Hey, we had seven incidents last year. We're going to shoot for four. So that wasn't the case anymore. So it was zero accidents, but I think companies they're striving for more. Um, 
the spectacular, the excellent companies are striving for more than just zero incidents. They're, they're looking for something bigger than that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you think about like how important it is and how much of a different difference it makes in your daily job. If you feel like even though you're one of, you know, 30 or 200 or 10,000 employees, but you know that your work is contributing to a, a bigger picture like that provides meaning to what you're doing every day. So I think that's super, super important. The fourth kind of the fourth element that is talked about in this article of developing a safety culture seems super mundane, but it's providing training. Um, Obviously, training is required in a lot of ways, but bigger than this, this is about giving workers what they need to succeed. And people, you know, maybe our listeners wouldn't be shocked because they're in the industry. But a lot of people would be shocked that uh, a lot of people actually don't have what they need to do their job well and do it safely. Yeah. Yeah. I heard on a business podcast I was listening to the other day that said, your job as a leader is to make it as easy as possible for your team to succeed. Hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it is these little reminders that are so simple. But I mean, just hearing that it's your job as a leader to make it as easy as possible for your team to succeed and to win. And that's our jobs as safety leaders. That's our job as business owners, as supervisors, as managers, as leads. Um, And so providing training goes beyond the classroom. And that's what I'm super passionate about is, of course, New hire orientation, getting your OSHA required topics checked out, yes. But if you just think in the most practical sense, like the most practical sense possible is that our goal is to make sure that that the employees have the tools that they need. So really dissecting a worker's job tasks and really making sure that we create that we're helping them become experts at that job task, mm-hmm. whatever that is, making sure that they're trained on equip on how to operate equipment. Sure. But what is their job task? And are we making sure that they're doing it well? They're doing it, um, you know, with, with, with all the knowledge and resources that we could possibly give them right. because when they're confident and competent in that work, then that's going to reduce the amount of incidents. So it's not just safety training. It's just, um, it's just training. Overall. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's nothing more exhausting than being in a position or being in a place where you're expected to succeed, but you don't either, you don't have what you need or you don't know what you need. Yeah. And so I think that that, that plays out a lot in safety. Cause I think people are afraid to ask for things and yeah. you know, you just want to do your best. But this next element is lead by example. Um, you have seen so many examples of, uh, managers that could care less about safety, but then their expectations is that all of their workers uh, have the utmost of safety standards. Talk to me about this, the importance of leading by example. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This just resonates with my soul <laughs> from either working in house as a safety director or in the beginning of true safety, just like starting to work with clients. And I just, it was so brand new to me that I was just taking on all the clients in the world. And what I realized was that I I would take on clients where they, I didn't know this then, but like looking back, I took on clients that could care less about safety. Like they could care less. They actually hated safety, but they hired me on to just get them in compliant, like get them work. And so my team was, 
was responsible to go out to this client's employees and enforce safety and force safety and audit them and train them. And the employees could care less. And they're like, Apollonia, like this client, like the employees suck. Like they hate safety. They hate me. You know, it's awkward when I go out on site and we were like, what is this? And then I just, you know, then it was like big picture realization that the owner like didn't back up anything that we said or which means the leaders didn't, which means the supervisors didn't buy it, which mm-hmm. just, which just set up safety for failure. And that happens with consultants. It happens if you're in-house and the leader doesn't believe in safety. So that's one thing that no company's perfect, no company's perfect. And, right. but I think that if you, if you're a safety director, who's really looking to make a change and a difference, like vet who you go to work for and vet what the clients that you take on and make sure that there's at least willingness to be open-minded on the leadership team. Right. Um, or else you're just setting yourself up for exhaustion and failure and awkwardness and mm-hmm. all that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be a team effort. Like everybody from the top down is involved um, in this. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but This next element is to have a positive reporting process. I know this is something that we've seen often where like, is it good for your company to make money? Yes. Um, Is it good to have a profitable company? Yes. Is it, uh, could it be potentially, could there be potential dangerous backlash when the only priority is moving as fast as you can to make as much profit as you can? Um, Probably because then people might actually be hesitant to report a safety matter that would cause production to stop for a couple hours to look into something or potentially stop for a couple days because lost time is lost revenue. And people think that, okay, well, we're not going to get that revenue back. So talking about this element of having an actual positive reporting process. Yeah, this is huge. Working in the oil and gas industry, I can only speak from experience that like a lot of the drilling rigs, there would be bonuses for the fastest hole drilled. And that was a big, big deal because the bonus was huge. The reputation to be the fastest drilling rig out there was huge. It would just, you know, it created this competition amongst um, rigs for one company and then just like company, you know, a companies against other companies, like holding that record was really important. And again, the bonuses were, were ginormous. They were bigger than their paychecks. And so this promoted, as you can imagine, under reporting. And then OSHA came out with a, a stance that said, we are going to not tolerate any incentives that incentivize under-reporting. So yeah, if you're like, I'm going to give my company a, a, a company-wide bonus for zero accidents, mm-hmm. that's OSHA looks down on that as it should be. So yeah. when I look at have a positive reporting process, what that means is that employees are recognized, they're rewarded with gift cards, or you know, it can be as simple as a recognition when they're saying, hey, here's my near miss. 
hey, here's something that I found we could do in a safer way. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, you know, here's something positive that I saw out on the field. I saw that, you know, Johnny wasn't wearing his safety glasses and um, somebody came up to him and, and told him and it, you know, it was like a good experience, like just something, something positive. Yep. So when you're reporting these infractions and they're rewarded, especially at safety meetings, like you're rewarded for turning these in. That's what that means. And it's a uh, really good idea to help build a safety culture. Yeah. In the article, they, they mentioned, um, if you have built a strong safety culture, workers should not be afraid to raise their hand when something goes wrong. And I think that that brings it down to really the important things is are people afraid to report others or is your culture not just your safety culture, but your company culture is your culture, a culture where people are um, willing to come forward because they know that it's for the best of the company. And the last kind of key element of developing a safety culture is involve employees. And in the article, they say, you know, don't hesitate to consult with your employees on what you can be doing to improve working conditions and by extension, their safety. I think a lot of times this stays with managers or consultants where they're like, here's what is best for safety and the workers that are actually on the front line are often involved with that process of deciding or having those conversations. Why is it really, really important to actually be involving all of the employees in the safety conversations? Yeah, no, this was, this was my key to success. This was like my secret sauce, like starting out in safety was I realized quick if it was me myself and I pushing the safety program and me coming up with all these brilliant ideas, brilliant ideas. It was going to go nowhere. And it was the day that I asked the employees what kind of PPE that they would wear, what kind of um, face shields and goggles that they did they want in the shop. Then they told me, Oh, what do you know? Everyone wore them for the most part. And so, um, you know, getting, that's my favorite part of safety is asking the team, how would you, what would it take? What would it take to get zero incidents? What would it take to see, to see our safety program to the next level? Mm-hmm. Um, what would it take to get people to wear their safety glasses hundred percent of the time on location? Then when they bring you the feedback, that's the gold, that's the money because they, if they come up with it, they will back it when you're gone. The second safety leaves the field. And so, um, it's important. It's important to get everyone's feedback. That's the yeah. biggest piece of advice I'd give somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to anybody listening, we encourage you to go check out the full article that we're kind of referring to and mentioning. Um, we'll have the link in the show notes, but it's how to establish a culture of safety in the workplace. Um, and that's from the Canadian Occupational Safety. But just to kind of review, you know, the, the seven elements that they mention is to one, define responsibilities, have open communication systems, have an organizational vision for safety, provide training, lead by example, have a positive reporting process and involve all employees. So I think this is a good like framework. And again, it's not just about having a safety culture and an accounting culture and an executive culture. It's about having a culture where people are safe and a culture where people are prioritized. So um, Apollonia, thanks for sharing some of your stories and experiences on this today on the podcast. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We'll, we'll chat next time. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team 
where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program, and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode. 